1: NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome into episode 310 of the Sources A Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
2: I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. Kentucky was one one and one a week ago, but they got a gutsy win on Saturday. Step in the right direction, winning a game like that. And uh, we're going to break it all down.
1: Yeah. I, you know, as you're watching it and experiencing it in in live time, you're thinking, damn, this is a team that is scoring 90 points a game and they have four points after 10 minutes. And. missing layup after layup after layup and what was the i mean things were coming so easily for this offense for the entire season that this like this this week was the first time we had seen any real push pushback and it kind of felt like man uh, something's broken on that end of the floor but when you go back and rewatch the tape and you Get into the nuts and bolts and the numbers of how they kind of got there. Uh It all kind of adds up, Sean, because they scored sixty-three points in the game overall, shooting thirty-six and a half percent and forty-five uh, percent from three. But second-half numbers are actually pretty darn impressive. I mean, they on pace for an eighty-point performance, not to the pace that you know where we had been seeing up to this point at, at you know ninety a game, but still producing at a you know an efficient clip 1.18 points per possession in the second half 48.5% scoring rate uh you take out the 9 for 26 on layup attempts they i mean they left 34 points on the on the floor you take all that stuff out and you actually feel pretty solid about where things stand assuming that they can get back to the back on track that wasn't really what mattered i think there was more to learn about the defensive growth that we saw across the board, uh, I think uh, down down in Fayetteville, I thought it was a really, really gutsy, gritty defensive effort. That uh, I think for the first time we could kind of say that we're making tangible growth on that end, and I think you could see that on the Ken Palm jumping twenty eight spots uh, in, in one single night from ninety eight overall uh, in defensive efficiency to the seventy.
2: Well, and that's that's the thing, right? Is that We've talked a ton about Ken Palm and where Kentucky was. And, yes, last week was a roller coaster. I mean, when you – and I'm, I'm starting with Georgia because that's where it kind of started with the, what the heck's going on because they dropped a lot then. And then ultimately dropped all the way down to 98. But then they climbed back up, you know, pretty far, like from from where they were. So, to me, that just shows you if you can put a couple of good games together, you can climb in that number. If you have a couple of bad games – you can crash 30 to 40 spots. Like That's just what the margins and things with how that, that category is. Offense did dip a little, but we know how good they've been over the course of the season that it, it's going to take more than one or two games to kind of kill their momentum there when it comes to that overall number. But you mentioned the second half, Jack, and like I know that this team didn't put up a ton of points in this game. They won a game in, in a fashion that they haven't had to win. And I think that was probably the biggest takeaway is I wanted to see Kentucky win a game like this where they didn't have their best. But the offense in the second half paired with the defense in the second half. To me, it was where they got their shots from and who took them and the quality of them. I mean, they shot the ball well from three in the second half, too. So when you look at the overall numbers, I talked about it at South Carolina. South Carolina had an advantage at the three-point line. And that was where you could really find a difference offensively. Kentucky had that advantage on Saturday to where Arkansas didn't have it at three point line, and and one area can make a significant difference in this game.
1: And I think the the biggest growth I saw was just their ability to recognize that you know what wasn't working for them clearly in the front. Look, Arkansas. Is terrible across the board in every major category: offense, defense, rebounding. Terrible. The one thing that they are considered elite at is interior rim, rim protection. They're ranked third nationally in block rate. It felt like they were just completely Kentucky was blind to that initially and looked to assert themselves around the basket, layup after like contested layup after contested layup kind of going around doing the – I remember with B.J. Boston, the flipsy do, as Cal said, just instead of embracing that contact, drawing fouls, they were kind of going right to what Arkansas – literally the only thing Arkansas did well. And you could see the halftime adjustment and just the, how things progressed from point A to point B where they said, guys, that's clearly not working. Look at Antonio Reeves wide open in the corner. Look at Reed Shepard wide open extra pass to Trey Mitchell. They were just missing that one extra step. And once they kind of clicked with them to go to that extra step, it felt like everything kind of started to fix itself on on offense where the defense is bad, Arkansas's defense is bad. You take away the one thing they were good at and make them go, "Oh shoot, now we got to you know rotate, switch over to here then the ball movement and then it opens up for a a second, you know, driving lane for Reed Shepard for an open layup, or, or however, it just felt like things kind of clicked for them when they realized, "Hey, this isn't working. We have to adjust." And everything else kind of fixed itself by the by, by the end of the game. And I really appreciate just the, the recognition from both the coaching staff and the players to make that in game growth, because that's kind of been a, a gripe over the years where game plan just hasn't really in
2: the middle you know, transition to what you like. Well, we've talked a ton, too, last week about the ball not moving, right? Like, that was one of the biggest takeaways for where Kentucky went, especially at South Carolina. It became – the assist numbers were down, and you're going to get that when you're not making shots. But Saturday, Jack, especially in the second half, there were some possessions where the ball was zipping. And it it was moving, and, and initial offense, and then if they didn't have something initially, they're flowing right into what they wanted. And, you know, Reed run the point some, which we'll get into here in a few minutes. Antonio Reeves making big shots. I thought Trey Mitchell made some big plays and stuff. Ugana stepped up, and we're going to get into that position too because I'm starting to think that's going to be kind of a by-committee spot of just whichever 7 footers playing the best is probably going to get the most run on any given game. We've kind of seen that over the last couple of weeks. But overall, last week was a weird week. You You have what happened in the closing seven to eight minutes of Georgia. You go on the road to South Carolina and you get smacked in the mouth in fashion that you probably didn't think that this team, it could happen to this team. And then you're down Rob, Justin Edwards, not in the starting lineup. You're shuffling things. You just shuffled a new guy into your rotation that week too. And you have to win a game in the fashion that you have not had to win one all season and great basketball teams that win national championships that go to final fours. They win games in a variety of ways. We had not seen this team win a game in another fashion than just scoring a bunch of points. So I thought it was encouraging to see them have to grind out and execute down the stretch. Now they had to get stops and they had to get baskets, and they did both of them in Fayetteville. And look, Antonio Reeves loves playing in that building. Like he, I'm just going to go ahead and say it that Dalton Connect is doing really, really good things. There's a lot of players in this league doing a lot of really good things. You have to look at what this guy is in a fifth year of college basketball and how much better he is as a complete basketball player. On the defensive end, on the offensive end, on the glass, that is an SEC player of the year that I saw making shots down the stretch. That is an All-American in college basketball. Like what that guy's doing, and he hit him too, Jack, because we've talked about his shots a lot, not being able to make shots in clutch moments when this team has needed it the last two years. He did it Saturday. He wasn't alone either. Reed did it. Trey Mitchell stepped up and made some shots. But to me, it was Antonio Reeves kind of leading the charge for Kentucky. And then it was Reed Shepard just kind of like setting the pace with what Kentucky wanted to do and getting Kentucky where it wanted to go.
1: So – listening to the Cal show before the show went live Cal for the first time acknowledged that he thinks that he found his five and I think that's a pretty significant development he said read Antonio DJ Trey in Uganda we've been saying it uh, those are daggers so, he, so being totally transparent here uh, Cal went through this this conversation he had, he had with a college coach uh, to er, earlier today that this college coach called and said hey man there's something that really jumped out on film to me and I'm teaching it to my own team it was this defensive stop and he goes through this possession and like I'm I'm listening to it in real time Sean and it it's like this disney scenario like it I, it it sounded better than I even remembered watching it in the game and re you know, rewatching it on film uh, this was the full quote he said um, actually I, well, uh, yeah. Okay. I deleted that. Sorry. But it, it, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, a. he, he talked about how they guarded the middle ball screen, like two or three straight times. Ugana basically just turning into th- this defensive player of the year making, you know, stop after stop after stop. They force the, the stop, get the ball back, get it on the other end. They miss a corner three Ugana gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out to Reed, who then kicks it over to Antonio Reeves for a make make three. And he said in Kentucky, he said, we go up 10 ball game. And then he says, those are daggers. And you know what? I sat there and said, this may be our finishing team. The game is winding down. Here's who you have in. And in the moment, I'm like, damn, man, that is, that is a sequence. That is a stretch. I go back and, and, and look at the play-by-play on the chart. That never happened. That was not a, <laughs> a, a a one individual sequence. That was like four sequences kind of combined into one. It's like it's like when Disney is make coming up with, with a script for a movie and like it, it's like based on historical events. It's kind of like it's kind of like what we saw and what, how Cal was describing it. So it was fun. But the premise remains that Cal saw those five. And basically the last 17 minutes of the game, I think the only real switch he saw was Aaron Bradshaw in for Ugon Yenso for like a two-and-a-half-minute stretch yeah. from like the four-and-a-half-minute mark to like the two two two-and-a-half-ish-minute mark. Cal, it, I think, found his five and is, you know, I, I don't disagree with it because that's where they kind of started putting things together on both ends of the floor for the first time really all season, especially on the defensive end.
2: Well, and, and it looked like – you mentioned there that the brief moment that that Bradshaw went in, it looked like there was a challenge kind of issued to him at the table right before he went in. Like, you know, you you better do something or Ugo's going back in. And it didn't take long. And obviously Ugo was back in the game. But, you know, just overall, the way that that group played together, you know, DJ Wagner off the ball, like the things that they ran, the plays that they got, like it, it wasn't the up and down pace. It was execution in the half court on some possessions. There was Ugo made a heck of a play getting an offensive rebound and a kick out to Reed, who made a one more to Reeves who hit a big three that the sequence that you actually, I think that was the accurate part of of what Cal is talking about in in that quote, but he made that play. There was another play where they up screen there for DJ Wagner, DJ gets downhill and finds Reed Shepard wide open on the, on the far side of the floor in the corner. Like that is taking advantage of things and getting what you want in the half court. So I thought the execution was big, but the biggest thing from Wednesday to Saturday for me was the growth in one area of situational basketball. And it was the same. It was almost the same point in the game in Columbia. They were down four and they have a bad defensive possession and it spirals at Arkansas. They're down six and they go on a seven Oh run. At the same pivotal point of the game, so I, I get that they had four points in the opening ten minutes of the game; that it wasn't great. But I found the middle of it, and in the middle of it, I saw growth, and then they kind of carried that into the final closing stretch of the game. That was my biggest takeaway. Don't get caught up in what it looks like at the beginning. I wanted because we just we just did that against Georgia. It looked great in the beginning, and then it didn't look good in the end. So now that we flip this, which not change. Yeah, you can't switch it because I love how they finished this one. And when it, at some point you put it all together and then you have the finished product of what this team will be, and I thought Saturday was a step in the right direction in all areas. They come up with some rebounds down the stretch. I know Arkansas had the advantage overall in the glass, but I thought second half, I thought that they did what they had to do to execute and get out of there with the win. Playing a desperate team. Yes, Arkansas is not very good, but you're in a building with a lot of juice, college game days in town. They saw what South Carolina did to you just a few days prior. They probably felt, maybe this is where we get ourselves right. and Kentucky got out of there with the win. They're you're seeing it in college basketball right now, Jack. There's no such thing as easy wins. Top 10 teams are losing. Top 5 teams are losing. Like this this team took a step in the right direction Saturday in Fayetteville.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, the stat is top 10 teams going on the road to play unranked teams are winning at a rate of less than 40% this season. Like, that's that's unheard of. Uh, I think... Leading up to, I think over the last fifty years, I think the stat is uh, it, it's like a seventy-four percent winning percentage in that in top ten teams going on the road and playing uh, against unranked teams. It, it's it's different this year. It, it's it's something that we have never seen as a collective college basketball unit. We've never seen We've this never before. Seen so before, so it it's hard to get bent out of shape about winning ugly. I will never apologize for winning road games in the SEC in Bud Walton arena, which no matter how terrible that team is, and they are admittedly across the board on both ends. I mean, there's a dude that quit the team got kicked off the team seven minutes before tip off. Like let's not pretend like this is Eric Musselman's you know, pride and joy, but you know, that was a tough environment backs against the wall. There was a moment as you, that moment you talked about Sean, where there was a fork in the road where, Kentucky against South Carolina went down the wrong path in that fork in the road. They got punched in the mouth and they folded like a lawn chair. They basically said, yep, can't do it. No, I don't have a response to this. In that same moment, four days later, they found a way to go down the, the right. They learned from that. You know, Cal always says you either win or you learn. But do you really learn if you don't put what you experienced into you know, on, on court game progress, uh, uh, you know, a game later, are you actually learning if you're not doing something with that, that knowledge? And they did in that opportunity where they could have gone either way. They decided to go down the right path and threw that punch back and put together stretches of, you know, even those cows, Disney scenario of, you know, seven minutes of play that resulted in that final knockout blow Cal kind of made it out to be like one little tiny sequence whatever it, it's it's it, i think it's hilarious but it was that group found ways to put together winning basketball and i, I think the, the film looked a lot better they they were learning on the fly and growing on the fly down in Fayetteville. And that's something we needed to see. We know the offense is going to come. We know that they're going to get back to scoring the way we've seen them do all year. We had to start seeing, again, did not have to be elite on the defensive end. Just had to be enough to get by and let the offense kind of carry the load. That's exactly how things uh, unfolded in the second half down there in Fayetteville. And you get questions answered
2: when you kind of go through a week that you had last week, when you, you get hit in the mouth, like you did in Columbia and then you come back and you have to grind out a win, a win that probably doesn't excite anyone in college basketball, even, you know, within this fan base, you're sitting there watching the first half and you're probably thinking, man, we had so many high hopes for this team. And now is it starting to shift and go the other direction? I had people texting me saying, maybe we hopped up this team. Maybe they're not that good. Who have they really beaten outside of North Carolina? And I'm like, just, just, be patient here. Like you, you can't have the takeaways that you had for three months and then just kind of throw them all out the window just because of a rough four or five days. Like let this thing play out. Like every team that ends up being something at the end of the year goes through periods where they don't play their best basketball. The question is, do you win when you don't play your best basketball? And Kentucky was one and one doing it. Now, the execution down the stretch, though, is my is the takeaway that I'm going to keep coming back to. They executed, and, and in those situations, Jack, I don't feel like Kentucky's had a ton of opportunities this year to kind of fill out lineups and where it wants to go, mm-hmm. being semi-full strength. Like, there were new faces, there were new people blended in, you know, that hadn't been in that. Uh, you had Aaron Bradshaw have his moment down the stretch at Florida. We we know we talked a ton about that a month ago. And then in this one, it was different pieces. It was different faces. It was different faces than what it was when they ground out a win versus North Carolina in mid-December. So now what Cal has is he's able to see how guys respond in certain situations, and then he can kind of figure out where he wants to go late in games, but also what he wants to do late in games offensively, defensively. He got to see Ugo kind of being that defensive anchor in the paint Saturday at Arkansas. So that's something we hadn't really got to see in the closing minutes of a win. So uh, they've got a lot out of SEC play in the opening month of league play that, honestly, I think that from all the stuff that they took out of it, it's been a pretty big learning thing for this team that I think to carry into February. And now, look, you get you get a couple of tough games here at home this week too.
1: And that you just kind of had to skate by – And win games, no matter how it looked, you could afford, uh, you know, a a, a black eye here and there. You just you just had to continue to build tangible progress. And uh, I want to go back. Cal uh, said that in response to that quote about, you know, I think I found my five. This this could be it. He said that his his staff kind of pushed back and said, well, it's going to be, it's going to have to be game to game to game. We saw Aaron Bradshaw win the game for us down in Florida. You you know, there were different guys. Rob Dillingham wasn't out there to, you know, at all because he was sick. Like, it is going to be situational. But for the guys that have said, you know, Cal just has yes men around him and people that aren't willing to push back. Like, that's a, that is something to say, watching them win the game the way they did down in Fayetteville and still have guys be like, whoa, 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 let's take it, you know, one step at a time and see how these guys progress. Because what happens if, you know, Z starts making, you know, real tangible progress in in practice, they kind of took a step back there with Cal saying he's very good. He's talented, a lot to be excited for, but the other guys are just farther along than he is right now. Let's just be patient with him and see how things go. Uh, You know, what happens with Justin Edwards? That's the big kind of question right now. Um, you know, Cal kind of saying again tonight that he just has to get out of his own head. He's putting together unbelievable practices. But once the game starts, just like that 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 light flips off for whatever reason, what happens with if he breaks through? A Thero is just now getting back after a seven-game absence. Did some really, really impressive things on the defensive end while missing five point-blank layups. Like you don't really know until you know, but at least you got a five you could trust. At least you have. That group that you know down the stretch, they're going to make the extra pass. They're going to make the stop. They're going to, you know, hit the the dagger shot. And you're you you need to develop those traits and learn those habits right now, so they are going to be ready for those just in case of March. Shoot, Cal even talked again about what happens if we go back to Trey at the five. Like we know what that looks like. It's always great to have something to lean on and to fall back on and and feel comfort with. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago you know, Cal went back to his comfort zone that 2014-15 year with the Harrisons versus Booker and Uless. And that's kind of became a, a thing down the stretch where that rotation got a little too tight and it kind of killed us down the stretch. What will we'll, you know what the fallback is this year. I think that's what uh, is, is exciting there. But um, t- Sean, talk to me about Reed down the stretch in that five-man group where DJ kind of got kicked to the off ball role and found some success, you know, as a, more of a slasher with Reed as the, you know, kind of point man of attack. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. And Cal kind of had the same thought process. I, I loved it. And at some point, I thought we would see it.
2: I thought we would see minor tweaks that end up being big ones. As you move throughout a long basketball season, look. I, I love DJ as a point guard too. Like I, I love his versatility, but he is so good at attacking and getting downhill and taking advantage of situations. And, and like I said, they they ran that little up screen for him, and he gets downhill and finds Reed in the corner for a shot. Like he can still make place for others too, but I just like the presence that Reed that Reed plays with, the the calming demeanor of getting Kentucky where it wants to go and and getting offense initiated and started. I thought that the pace that he played with, he never gets sped up. He, he made a defensive mistake there late in the game with about, I think it's about five or six minutes to go. Kentucky was at four and he just completely turned on his man and went to dig on a drive and then gave up a three was late closing out. And Cal talked about it going to the timeout. You could see him going to the huddle, talking to him, but those, are those, those moments are still going to happen, those learning moments. But what he did, kind of leading the charge offensively and anchoring the one spot in a road environment, I think you're going to see more of that as we go throughout February. And we get into this next month and move towards conference tournament play. So when you're shorthanded, Jack, and we've talked about this on last week's episode before Rob was out, before Justin was limited, before a do returned, it's not going to be nine to ten deep. It's just not. That's not how this works. And I thought Saturday you kind of got to condense it without having to do it on your own, just to kind of see where you go, and then you get questions answered when you do that. Now, Rob's going to play. We know that. So that's going to be something to work in. But I still think that in that moment, not having – 8, 9, 10 miles to feed, you kind of got to see where you want to go late in games without kind of feeling the pressure of having to work somebody else in there in that moment. So I thought that was a big step in the right direction to at least get to see it. And now we see what he does when they're at full strength. Because look, Jack, like this is a team that just continually doesn't get to play games at full strength. Just when you think you get a do back, you're missing another key piece. I hope that they get a stretch of play here in February to where they got all their guys available. That way Cal can kind of figure out what it is. Because I, I take it back to 2022 when they lost Nielke the around the NCAA tournament. They were just mixing and matching. One guy's out for a couple games, one guy's in, one guy's out. It messes with the rhythm and flow, and that's the one thing that I don't want to see is trying to break somebody back into the rotation late. Because you got to build that chemistry. And when you get it built, you
1: can't do anything to mess with it, especially when you get close to March. Cal said today's practice was was focused solely on on chemistry. That was the only thing that they worked on because they are back to full strength. So Rob returned to practice today. And I think it is kind of hitting him where it's like, all right, we can't just have a constant revolving door of guys in and out because Mm – something's got to give there like we we gotta be able to stack together possessions on 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 both ends and uh he he kind of threw out the idea of I'm going to throw some different stuff out there in the first half and whatever is sticking by halftime I'm gonna roll with that group in the second half so Sean what do you think of that strategy as a coach like he kind of used that to justify Basically, going to that five-man group, six maybe, with Aaron Bradshaw getting a couple minutes there late, but said, "I'm rolling with this group, and you know, we'll 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 see how it goes. Those are gonna, those are the five guys that are gonna, gonna give me the best chance to win the game. It might change from a game by game basis. Again, Rob's back, and you never know with some of the other guys, but it does sound like Cal is ready to start." chipping. You know, we we knew it was coming, but the way he worded it today, at least in the first half, he's going to be flexible. But after that, that first 20 minutes, he's going to, you know, chopping block time's coming. It, it is. And and I like it.
2: I like seeing kind of where you are and then making adjustments and kind of figuring out where you want to go. And when you have that many talented players, not every guy's going to play the same every single night. Like we, we've seen it throughout the course of the season, which has been One of my biggest reasons for why this team can make a deep run was because of the depth and the playmaking ability from multiple spots. Like, it doesn't have to be the same guy every single night. But to me, when it comes to playing Reed Shepard at the one, you you may not see it early in games. But when it gets down to those crunch time moments where it's possession by possession and it's winning basketball situations – I think Cal found something Saturday to where when it gets in those final 10, eight, nine minutes, maybe you see Reed Shepard run the one, and that's kind of the adjustment down the stretch, so they make sure they're getting what they want offensively. Because, Jack, they're playing at a fast pace. They're going to continue to play at a fast pace. But when you get into that NCAA tournament, things do slow down. Games become grinded out, possession by possession games, down the stretch, and you have to get stops, and you have to execute on the opposite end and get baskets. It's this game, though, it brings you full circle a ton of times in your season where you are you find yourself in a familiar situation that you've been before where you have to close the game out. Or it's you let go of the rope at South Carolina when you're down four and the game goes the other direction. But three days later, you're full circle right back in a similar situation and you're down six and you hold on to it even tighter and you claw your way back and just take control of the game. So there's still going to be those opportunities that this team gets to to learn about itself. But you have have two, to me, massive games coming up this week that can really determine where your season kind of goes from here on out in league play. You get a, a hungry Florida team that probably feels like they let you off the hook a few weeks ago in Gainesville coming to Rupp. But then you get a Tennessee team coming in here that has a defensive identity and one of the elite scores in college basketball that we know that fan base is going to be talking a lot this week. That's a massive game in college basketball coming up. So this league is going to continue to present challenges and opportunities. There's going to be upsets. There's going to be more nights like we saw Saturday on the road where things aren't going your way and you just have to find a way to win. So I've learned a lot about this team, though, from Wednesday to Saturday. And I learned a lot about them in the final twenty minutes Saturday night, and I think John Calipari did
1: as well. Yeah, and on that note, the the stretch coming up: Quad Two, Florida at home; Quad One, Tennessee at home; Quad Three is really the only kind of gimme uh, in in that whole stretch, and even still, that's on the road at Vandy. Quad Two, Gonzaga now thirty-one in the net. They're they're right back there uh, on that Quad, quad One um, line. Ole Miss at home, quad two. Auburn on the road, quad one. LSU on the road, quad two. Then back to back quad ones uh, at home against Alabama and on the road at Mississippi State. This is kind of, I mean, this this is a tough, tough, tough stretch in, in February where we're going. We are, I think, already learned a lot about this team the last couple weeks. But you're not gonna, you. I don't think you could learn any more about what this team is gonna be, and, and you know. Right around this time last year, I think we kind of started getting the hint. I mean, obviously it was a disaster to start SEC play, and they just kind of had to start piecing things together. But you you could see big picture that things just weren't clicking the way you, you had anticipated, and they kind of saved themselves with, the, with a little stretch there. But, you, you know, this is where we're going to start seeing put up or shut up time, you know, This week in particular, Florida at home and then Tennessee at home. Uh, It's like what we had had John Rothstein on last week and said that uh, he. I think everybody in the college basketball world has that Tennessee game circled on their calendar to figure out, okay, just how good can this Kentucky team be long term against not just a tough and physical team, not just an uber talented offensive team, but a team that's both like what happens when you're fa- facing the veteran leadership, the physicality and the talent? Can they com- com- combat that? Uh, and we'll, I think we'll know pretty quickly one way or the other, uh, if, if this team has, you know, the stones to, to do that. And, and you know, that that's a game that I know that you have had uh, circled on your calendar from, I think day one. It is
2: right. Absolutely. It is. And, And when you look at the league standings, I mean, Auburn, obviously, you know, that that game and stuff and and getting some losses there, you know, helps when it comes to to winning the league. But I don't put a lot of weight in winning the regular season championship just because schedules aren't balanced. I mean, it's just it all depends on kind of what draw you get and where you're going, whether you're playing Auburn twice or you're playing Tennessee twice or or whatever. Like we we know that that that's the schedules, just the. The non-balance of the schedule just makes it hard to kind of figure out to me who the best team is in the league. But one note that I made a week or so ago, I was talking that I wanted to see this team win six in a row. And I know that they've had the winning streak this season and stuff. But now that you're getting into this part of the season, I'd like to see them go on a winning streak and kind of win games in a variety of ways. Like they they won the one at Arkansas – kind of felt like a first weekend game where you're not playing your best, maybe a second round NCAA tournament game, or maybe even a first round tournament game. But then when I look at the schedule, Jack, you got a Florida team at Rupp coming in. I think Kentucky wins that game on Wednesday night. But then you look and that's a tough Tennessee matchup on Saturday. I mean that's a that's a really tough matchup. And that probably will feel like a second weekend final weekend NCAA tournament uh game on and stuff on paper when you look at it. But then you get Vandy, Gonzaga, Ole Miss. When I look at this, if Kentucky can get through that Tennessee game here, I think you could put together a nice little winning streak. Like I I think Kentucky could could have some success here. But back-to-back big Saturday games at Rupp coming up here for this team and this stretch of play, to me, can really catapult them down the stretch run here. If they can put some good basketball together, they can get some really good wins the next couple weeks.
1: And Sean, I wanted to, as we get set to face some really tough and physical teams. Uh, I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper on on Ugo because uh, Cal kind of went out of his way after the game to say, I think that he might be our starting five moving forward, or at least until we, you know, as we're learning about this team, he's going to be the placeholder in, in that spot because of the way he has just put together really really consistently solid play on both ends and as you said earlier defensive anchor how how sustainable is that long term again he doesn't give you that outside shooting touch that for a true five out but he's done enough there at that position that I think shows some versatility on on both ends to where you know you can live with not having a true three-point threat at that five position, knowing that the, he, he'll give you the other stuff. Do you like him being inserted at the, at, at, as a starting five and what it would mean for the team long-term?
2: Well, I certainly think that he's earned more minutes, You know, given they, they had to play him a ton at, at College Station against Texas A&M when, when Aaron Bradshaw had the foul trouble. Didn't have Z then, so it forced him into that role. But then Saturday was kind of just he – outplayed everybody else. And if he's going to do that and he can block shots and he can do his job, then he's earned the right to to get those opportunities. So to me, he earned a lot with me Saturday. And I know he earned a lot with Tom Calipari. He earned a – just watching the game, and I'm sure everybody that's in the chat feels the same way, that was the moment that – we hadn't got to see Ugo a lot. Like we didn't really – like to me, he was as big of a mystery – as Aaron Bradshaw and some of the freshmen entering this season, because we didn't really get to see him down the stretch last year. Saw him briefly early in the year, but after that, didn't see him. Get him here late this season in January or there late December, but now you look at it and you've got to see him for about a, a few weeks here to a month. He has improved. He's making contributions to this team winning basketball games. He is getting some building some trust with John Calipari, which I don't think he ever got to the point of doing a year ago and probably never really got opportunities to do it a year ago. But when you play in clutch moments and you're outplaying the other guy, and that's what makes this program so good, is now it's going to force Aaron Bradshaw to have to step up. And if Aaron Bradshaw doesn't step up, Ugo's going to continue to eat some minutes. So I'm okay with it because the month of February to me is going to establish exactly who Kentucky is rotation wise at all spots. But I still think that five spots going to be interchangeable at times. It's going to be kind of a by committee, which big is playing the best. And it might be a matchup based thing when it comes to who Kentucky's playing, if they're playing a physical team, maybe you go with Hugo. If, if it's something else and they think that Bradshaw's is the good fit and he's able to stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble and, and stack good possessions and good plays together, he gets more run. I don't know about Z. Uh, I want to see where Cal goes with opportunities and minutes. But there's still a lot to figure out. But I'm, I will say this. There was a question in the chat a moment ago asking about where guys slide if Reed's going to be playing some one and Reed's going to be in that spot. I think we're trending towards at some point this year Reed Shepard kind of being the third guard that starts with DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, Reed Shepard, and then you got Trey Mitchell. It's about finding the fifth spot. But I think Kentucky's established four starters. Whether that happens the next game or not, at some point I think Reed Shepard will be in the starting lineup consistently, and Rob will be the spark plug guy off the bench that comes in and scores and and plays a lot of minutes as well. So you're trending towards getting it figured out, but I still think there's a couple of games to go before it's really established and set what Kentucky wants to do and kind
1: of who they are when it comes to rotation. So so get this, on, on that note, Ken Palm has a breakdown of the depth chart over the last five games, how things are trending with the lineups and and so on and so forth. Depth chart over the last five games, Reed Shepard has played 67% of point guard of available point guard minutes. DJ Wagner, 18% and he's played 44% off ball as as the shooting guard and 11% as the three. Uh, so the, the most used depth chart over the course of that that stretch is Reed at the one, DJ at the two, Antonio Rees at the three, Trey Mitchell at the four, and Ugo at the five at, f- at 48%, Brad Shaw at 32%. I mean, most frequent lineups over the past five games, you have Reed Shepard, Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard as the most fre- frequent lineups. DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Antonio Reeves, DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, Rob Dillingham, DJ Rob, 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 as the most frequent th- as the most frequent twos. Like you're you're starting, you're still getting the interchangeable stuff, but you're starting to see a trend here, and it is going to what you say. The four group of Reed, DJ, Antonio, Trey is kind of sticking, and the five has been mostly interchangeable. I think we're gonna start seeing that kind of stick quite a bit. And and
2: the question will be, and, and John talked about this with us last week. Do we see Trey small small ball five at all anymore? When you got three seven footers sitting on the bench, it's kind of hard as a head coach to kind of stomach just sitting all that size on the bench. But do they get to a situation where you see it? I I don't know. And and to me, a lot of that depends on where Justin Edwards goes. If if Justin kind of emerges at some point down the stretch and builds some confidence, maybe you run him at some four alongside Trey. Maybe that's the guy that gets to look. I know a do you can't put a ton of stock into what we saw at Arkansas because it's his first game back in weeks. Like you, you can't even, you just got that's a wash. You just gotta throw that one out. Like you let him get his rhythm reestablished and hopefully you kind of hang on here and don't have any more. Illness, or you don't have any more injuries that kind of linger and, and take out a guy for two weeks because it's so hard to reestablish rhythm once it's established. And then if you lose it, it's hard to find again, Jack, in the sport. So everybody is kind of trying to, to put the final pieces of the puzzle together here. And you start doing that in February to get you ready for a March run. So you're going to see Cal, and, and you're, you talked about it with the lineup trends. Reed, DJ, Reed showing up a lot, whether he's starting or not. The minutes have been reflecting it for a while now. I know South Carolina he didn't play as much and, and didn't play well, obviously in Columbia. But when you look at what they're doing, Reed has been a significant, crucial, critical part of what Kentucky has been for a while now. And how about the highlight? With his dunk. And as soon as I saw him racing down the floor, I instantly thought of Jeff's highlight in that building as well. So it, it's isn't it wild how there have been some moments where it just it's kind of like mirror, mirrored exactly what his dad did? And hopefully we have a moment here in a few months where there's a national championship with it too. But I like what Cal's doing right now. I like the direction he went on Saturday. I like the trust and the commitment that he showed, and and he rewarded Ugo. To me, it would be easy to go Aaron Bradshaw. Aaron Bradshaw, we know, is probably the pick. We know he is when it comes to NBA potential. We know when it comes to, you know, clutch, and we know when it comes to talent and five-star and all this other stuff, it would have been easy to continue sticking him in there and letting him kind of struggle his way through it. He rewarded Ugo. Ugo. And I thought that was a massive step in the right direction in building trust with me too. Because what did I say last week? My biggest concern was that Cal would get kind of caught up in where we're going here and maybe stick and commit to guys for too long. He didn't do that Saturday. Like this, John Calipari wants John Calipari wants to win, Jack, more than anything else. And I, I think that that's there's a balance, but he's going to play the dudes that give him the best
1: shot to win down the stretch. And I think Saturday confirmed that and I talked about this with with J Kyle, man, um, after the last game, Cal said that he was going to adjust with week to week scouting wrinkles. I think that in itself is kind of what we're talking about, where you, you play to win each individual game while building the long-term growth of each individual player and how they're working together with their, their teammates. So they're not just blindly moving forward with this. Like we said, with, with Ugo starting moving forward, that doesn't mean that Aaron won't start four games from now, or Z won't start eight games from now. It's just about going with the scout and trusting the scout and, and adjusting based on what the personnel, the, the opposing personnel is. That That's the winning, the, the, the winning recipe. That's why they're spending so much time in practice right now. Cal said that they spent from start to finish everything about chemistry based, figuring out which lineups work with what and and just kind of getting those puzzle pieces right. Because when you incorporate three dudes from basically Christmas to mid-January, obviously things are going to look wonky at times like. Obviously, we're going to get some really ridiculous 23 lineup combinations uh, against South Carolina. It's too many, but you can see where that's coming from of, damn, I, I, I just can't find that right recipe. But his ability to kind of do the mix and match stuff in the first half against Arkansas and say, all right, here's the recipe that's working now. Let's ride the wave. That, I think, is a winning long-term recipe for for this team because you have so many options I don't think that there is an answer about what the, you know, Cal may say that might be the five that I like down the stretch to win games because they can grind it out and win. But I don't think that means Bradshaw is going to play five minutes and Z is going to play five minutes and Justin's benched forever. Like, I think those guys are going to have their own opportunities to, you know, earn their own playing time and situational basketball and be high level contributors. Like there's a team of 12 high level contributors uh, from top to bottom of this roster You don't get that anywhere else in college basketball, and those puzzle pieces are starting to fit. They're going to start fitting as we start getting to the meat and potatoes of of SEC play.
2: And and what's the one thing – and you and I spent – I remember you sitting there for a couple hours talking about where Kentucky would go offensively. What was the one concern that we all had about why Ugo wouldn't be the guy? Shooting, spacing, you know – Well, guess why? Guess how it works, though. It works when you got a guy like Antonio Reeves and you got a guy like Reed Shepard and you got a Trey Mitchell and you get spacers on the floor, and DJ Wagner, who has shown, you know, the capability of of stretching the floor and knocking down shots, but also really good attacking the basket, and then you put high level IQ passers on the floor, guys that see the floor, Trey Mitchell, Reed Shepard, Antonio Reeves being a complete scorer at all three levels. When you put pieces like that around it, it makes it work. And then Ugo can, you know, affect the game at the rim and and things. Now, a lot of the reason why Oscar Shibley and things, and it was really frustrating to watch, is because of the pieces that was put around him. But when you put other pieces that then can allow that guy to be on the floor and do what he does, you don't have to have Ugo stepping out and shooting threes and taking threes. You can still space the floor and do some of the similar things, but when you got those pieces around, it works. And I feel like that Cal found kind of a, a mixture there Saturday that worked. That if that's the lineup that they got to go with that stretches to win games, maybe that is the winning lineup down the stretch of close games. But we're going to see, you're going to see probably, we're going to have this conversation a lot over the next month. And it's going to be different names at different times stepping up and doing things. Like Rob Dillingham is still in the mix here. And we've, like, we know how good Rob can be. Like, at some point, hopefully by selection Sunday, we can kind of sit here and figure out what Kentucky looks like. But they have an advantage that a lot of teams don't have, Jack. They've got firepower that a lot of people and a lot of teams in college basketball would love to have. This defensive adjusted defensive number, though. It's get it it was a that was a massive step in the right direction. You defend well again on Wednesday, and you're this close to being back in the top sixty, and then you're trending in a direction where you can lock in and accept the challenge against Tennessee and against Gonzaga over the course of the next week, and
1: let's really find out who you are. And I will say, Ugo did launch that three at the buzzer. He almost drilled that thing. I'm not gonna lie. Like we've been talking about the spacing and the lack of shooting at that position, but my boy launched that three and he damn near hit it. So shout out, shout out Ugo, man, just a great all around performance for Ugo. I I'm so proud of him for just, it would have been really easy for that guy to see himself on the outside looking in and go, I'm not doing, this is a waste of my time. You got the politics with Bradshaw. You got, you know, the excitement and new toy factor of big Z Trey Mitchell's playing the best basketball. He's uh, of his career. I don't know where the hell I'm fitting in here. I'm out. He wrote that wave and earned carved out his own. this wasn't just, well, foul trouble guy, other guy got hurt. We kind of just have to go with Ugo. He won those minutes and by playing his ass off, like I just shout out Ugo, man, He he's really, really playing high level basketball in, you know, slowly putting things together game by game where I, I mean, I trust him. I, I trust everybody out on the floor right now that I, there, there isn't a guy out there that you go, that's, you know, that's a, a, a lost cost. There's, there's, there's no point for him, for him being out there. uh And Justin is the only guy that you're just like, it's not there yet. And Cal, even again, after that last game saying, man, he, he is working his tail off in practice. Nobody is working harder than, than getting more shots up than Justin. Like something's gotta give there, right, Sean? Like, I don't you, you you can't hold his hand. You gotta play the best five, but I'm not giving up on Justin Edwards. And I know Cal's not giving up, but there's a there's a fine line there of don't just banish him into the basketball dungeon and say, You're you're done. There's there's a way to see if this is the opportunity, see if this is the chance for him to break through. And if it's not, keep riding the hot hand, keep, keep riding the positive wave. But there's there's something there and i'm I'm not going to just give up on this kid because he's you know he's he's struggling i, I it's there. we've seen it before it's just about putting two and two together man i it's got to be there right it's there and and the support
2: group is there too like with within that locker room and with within that coaching staff and i I don't see Cal just completely not playing him like I think that there's still going to be opportunities but to me, if he's not in the starting lineup, you have taken some pressure off, I think. And let's see if there. Let's just see if there's some an adjustment and some momentum that gets built off coming off the bench for a short spurt, where you're not kind of the the guy that's in the lineup where everybody's looking and saying, "Well, you're the one that's not producing. Why are you starting when Rob's doing this and Reed's doing this and and this guy's doing that?" Now you can kind of come off the bench and just kind of now find your role. And maybe you find some of those things that led to you being in the starting lineup to begin with and the guy that played well down the stretch in Toronto. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's honestly, I think it's the best thing for Justin right now, if that's if that's where Kentucky goes in the next couple of games. But like I said a moment ago, my favorite thing about this game is the full circle moments that it can put you right back in the same situation And you find out whether you learn from it or not. And I think Justin's going to get that full circle moment at some point. And he's going to get his opportunity. And I trust that Cal says, trust your training a ton. I trust at some point the training is going to break through. And he's going to have his moment. Mm -hmm. And you watch and see. It's going to come full circle. And Justin Edwards is going to be on the floor in a critical moment for Kentucky basketball. He's going to make a play,
1: and that could be exciting. Like I, I can see the moment, like where it just clicks for him that one game, and we all go, ah, we knew it. Like we, we knew it. It was, it was there. I, I'm, I'm rooting for that kid, man, because he. I mean, he's been through a lot too, and and I know Cal continues to kind of talk about his mental and how you know talk about social media tonight. He said that this dude's just kind of. Just zeroing in on all the negative comments. So don't be don't be an asshole. Like, what? There's no reason to be tweeting these kids, and and you know, there's there's no reason for that. Uh, Don't let let this kid work through what he needs to. We all have eyes. We know who is thriving in these moments and who is needing a little bit more. Let them work through their individual stuff. Ugo, I mean, we're seeing Ugo do that right now. Slowly but surely, building that confidence and becoming the player. A lot of people didn't know he even had in him. So, ride the wave, build confidence, build this kid up. Don't just tear him down and say, "Yeah, he stinks." Put him on the bench. There's, there's no reason for that. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the team. I mean, that's for damn sure. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm riding the wave. We'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for that kid. Uh, let's, um, real quick, we got some bills to pay. Now, a message from our latest partner, Monticello Bank. Well, hello, Cindy. A lot of banks are changing hands these days,
2: not Monticello. We've been building relationships since 1895. And with each passing year, we've grown.
0: Hello, Cindy. Hi.
2: And expanded our services to meet the needs of the communities we serve.
0: Aren't you forgetting something?
2: Monticello Bank, Equal Housing Lender,
1: Member FDIC. Sources Say Podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludeke and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.MyPerfectFranchise.net. Sean a couple uh, really tough games here coming up. Very important week for this team and just the the trajectory of it. What do you need to see beyond the obvious? Let's not go 9 for 26 on layups. Let's continue to lock in if it like what what specifically do you want to see with this team the next two games to make you continue to to feel confident about the, the long-term uh, trajectory of this team?
2: Desperation on the defensive end. A desire to continue getting better in that area. And I know I've, I've seen a lot of people in the chat, and yeah, I, I am paying attention to it. A lot of people have asked if the if a commitment to defense can take away from offense. And if you're spending 20, 25, 30 seconds of a shot clock defending your tail off, does it take away possessions and stuff, or does it, you know, take away some some energy and some flow to the game and the up tempo style of play. I still think this team can score at a ridiculous clip because I've always said the defensive issues were just lack of discipline. It wasn't not being able to do it, not being able to not just unable to guard. It was like a play the other night where Reed completely turns his body around. And I should have sent that one to Steven so he could put it up on screen where he just completely just has a lack of discipline turns, tries to dig down and then tries to get back out and close out and gives up a three in a really critical moment of the game. Things like that are teachable and you can still score an impressive clip. But what I think is going to happen is, is Kentucky going to win NCAA tournament games in the nineties? I don't think so. Just because the game slows down, it becomes a grinded out, grinded out. And guess what head coaches do in March? They go to their sets. And a lot of coaches in college basketball in some matchups, if they get matched up against a Purdue or somebody, they're going to run. They're going to set you to death, and they're going to make you defend and run sets. That's what slows the game down in the NCAA tournament. But it's a guard. Look, it's a guard tournament. Guards make plays. Kentucky's got guards that can make threes and can make shots. And I still think that this team is capable of putting up a ridiculous clip offensively but they're so much better there defensively than what we saw up until the last few well last few days. So I think that they're turning in the right direction there, Jack. So to me, consistency, it's going to be that C word that I keep using. Is build on what you've done and when you get those full circle moments, learn from
1: them. And that's also where the depth comes into play, where if you're defending your tail off for 25 30 seconds and equally you know trying to put things together equally on the other end you might not be able to do it for a full 40 minutes but you have dudes behind you that you know can come in and replicate that while you're getting your breather then you can come back in and like i feel like there was just such an effort to pour everything into the offensive end to start with because they knew just how talented they were and the unselfishness and all that that it just it was something that just kind of fell by the wayside like they just they they hadn't had that moment of digging in defensively but they have to trust each other they have to know that if I can't do that I'd had, there are six other guys on the bench that can come in and pick up where I left off and it does kind of become a an attack by committee Cal you know talking about you know the same thing that we dealt with in that 2014-15 roster which just felt like the tanks rolling over the hills it was one after the other you we can it doesn't have to be a true platoon but it can be kind of that same one after the other hit you haymaker after haymaker after haymaker like the division the is there uh and you know first it was all offense last couple of games has been all defense putting things together there's going to be a balance there it's not going to be 90 to 50 wins but if you can start putting together you know, 78, 82, something like, you know, 82 points, giving up 60, then you start blowing teams out. And, you know, that's, I think, a, a sustainable thing. Or even if it's, you know, if it, if it, you can start winning these games 12, 15, 20 points uh, but by just putting things together on, on both ends. So I, I, the vision's there. And, and you got a, a really tough couple of games and a, a really – interesting stretch of play where we can start seeing you, you know if that is something you know just a dream or if it is something we can kind of turn into a reality so can we put up put up or shut up time here at up this this week Sean it,
2: it is and, and to me I'm, I'm not going to look too far ahead here because Florida is a big one you got to get it you can't be looking ahead to what's coming into Rupp Arena to end the week but all eyes to me around college basketball is kind of going to be on that Tennessee game when you've got an Antonio Reeves and Dalton connect there as a, a, matchup to watch when it comes to, to got to guards that can score the basketball, but also you're going to find out about the league to me. You're going to find out what Tennessee is. You're going to find out what Kentucky is because Tennessee is going to guard you. Can Kentucky guard Tennessee and things like in, you know, Rick Barnes, and John Calipari, like that's, that's an exciting matchup coming up the next two weeks to me. There's not a ton of quad one opportunities there. Although where's Florida in the net? Have you looked at the net lately? Florida's pretty, it's pretty high, right? Aren't they in the top 40? 39. 39. So I mean, be nice to see Florida jump up a few spots if you if you beat them and have a good close to the season so that you can get another quad one win. But look, just win basketball games. Quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, just win. Just win basketball games, play well have some consistency about you go on a little win streak here to close January to open February. There's going to be a couple more losses here Mm -hmm. as you go throughout the schedule. I want people to be prepared for that. You're going to lose a couple of games, but just hopefully it's not the under 12 and a half sec win total that I took in the
1: preseason as our, (laughs) as our pick. So got to get to 13. (laughs) Uh, Something else to keep it, keep an eye on. Florida's 0-6 in quad one games. Their only losses have been quad one games, and they have a stretch of at Kentucky, at Texas A&M, and at home against Auburn, all three quad ones. One of those desperate teams, right? Very desperate to start. You know, They have the long-term season success, but they haven't had the statement win yet that kind of turns them into one of those top NCAA tournament seats that's a scary predicament for Kentucky. Like that's that, this is a team that is going to need to start putting together a couple of these quad ones or else the selection committee is going to go, well, you don't have a resume for us. So, you know, after this three game stretch for them, they don't have a quad one until they go to Tuscaloosa, February 21st. And then they only have two more after that uh, at, at South Carolina and home against Alabama. So, their opportunities are kind of dwindling. They're going to be a really, really desperate team, as you said earlier. They're going to be coming in looking to fight and and you know make up some make up for you know the the loss they took. Aaron Bradshaw winning late down in Gainesville. So that's going to be a tough test. We can't overlook oh, can't overlook the Gators because uh, they, they, they need this one quite a bit. Um, and so that's two teams coming in here in the next two weeks that have
2: zero called one wins. Gonzaga is one of them too. Now they do get St. Mary's. As a quad one opportunity, but Gonzaga does not have a quad one win. So you got two teams walking into Rupp Arena desperate for a resume and desperate to put something on it. That's the challenge I want, though, if I'm Kentucky, because when you get in the NCAA tournament, everybody's desperate. You're fighting for your life. It is you win or you go home. There is nothing that brings out kind of the best or the worst in you than putting you in a fight-or-flight moment. And there's going to be some teams walking in the doors of Rupp Arena here, the next few weeks, and over the course of the next month, that are desperate and fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. Alan says, "Quad your arse off." <laughs> By
0: the uh, way, I is- was
2: very—I was very confused in that chat earlier when people were calling me a troll, and then I realized that I'm not the Sean they were talking about. I was very confused.
1: Yeah, there was some clown in there that was talking about it. a UConn fan from Kentucky saying Kentucky fans are the rudest I've ever been around. Yeah, probably because you're a UConn fan in Kentucky. Like, you what, what do you expect? Two two of the you know heartbreaking losses of the Cal era in the NCAA tournament and. I'm sure just, just reading Bible verses and just being just peace be with you to everybody. He he comes in contact with sporting just a simple Yukon hat, people just going up and cussing him out. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how that unfolded. But anyway, uh, great, great show. This was, this was a blast, man. Feeling good about how things unfolded and rewatching the tape after kind of a letdown it, not sure really how to feel about it in real time. Feeling a lot better about this team today than I did at, I think, what, what, what time did it tip about six o'clock? So, like, eight o'clock p.m. on Saturday. I was not feeling the best about this team, but I'm starting to feel a lot better. And um, how things moving forward. Big test coming up on Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday for another uh, midweek show, Sean. It's going to be a blast. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. We'll see you guys at Rupp Arena. Where can fans find your work, Sean? You can follow me on Twitter at Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR Plus. Join us on the message board; we're having a blast over there. Subscribe to this YouTube page if you're watching this and haven't subscribed yet. What in the world are you waiting for? Uh, like this and comment. And you guys did a great job in, in the chat. Appreciate you guys. No, Sean Smith is not a UConn fan. There was other some, some other Sean something down there that was speaking nonsense, but. Anyway, this was a blast. Appreciate you guys. We will be back on Thursday for the jam, another, another Jam Packed Source Say podcast. We will see you then.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament, whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed—it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's gonna win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com/on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets.